Welcome back to another episode of the Strong Family Project podcast. I am Joe, joined by Mel. Welcome back to the Strong Family Project podcast, where we guide you on the path to raising confident, independent, and resilient children in a strong family environment. Last Thursday, we left you hanging. We have our episode, which was originally 13 areas you absolutely need to role model for your kids. We got into some in-depth discussion. We talked communication skills. We talked respect. We talked work ethic. We talked personal fitness, and we talked financial responsibility. And all that talking took the full half-hour episode because we do have our half-hour episodes up today on Thursdays. We have our 10-minute Tuesdays up on Tuesdays. So if you're listening to this, those are two style of episodes. Do make sure to like and subscribe. This is the third time (laughs) I'm hitting like the B's twice and subscribe (laughs) on your favorite platform. We are on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube and you watch part one, you'll notice that Mel is trying to bamboozle you by changing her outfit, (laughs) even though we're recording it minutes after we press stop on the previous one. You left me hanging too on the first one. I was ready to move on to the next. She was ready to go. She was into it. So part one, we covered a ton. Mm-hmm. Part two, I'm not going to mess around. We're going to get right into it because we need to keep it within the time parameters because don't want our five-year-old to have to walk home from school. <laughs> All right. He so probably could though, but anyway. We came off financial responsibility, which was a big topic for us in how that how we go out and spend money as a 45 and 50 year old is different than they will learn how to spend money as a teenager and then as a young adult. And we need to be aware of that and teach them the difference because we make different amount of money now than we did when we were that age too. And we need a little reality check. Okay. Next number six on the 13 areas you absolutely need to role model in for your kids I shouldn't say absolutely need to. You are role modeling in these areas, whether you are doing it intentional or not. Number six, conflict resolution. Things are going to go poorly at some point. You need to be able to navigate. The better you navigate the conflict and don't try to hide it all from the kids, the better that they'll learn that conflict is a natural part of life and not even always negative. Conflict can result in something positive. There's usually opportunity in conflict. There's usually someone that has a backbone or multiple people that have backbone in conflict. And that's a good thing too. I respect people who have healthy conflict and they discuss things and they stick by their principles. And if they are proven incorrect, they're willing to change their viewpoint on certain things. It isn't simply do your, do my parents yell at each other or not? It's, I'm sure conflicts can get passionate, but are they able to then communicate, share perspectives, use that technique that we always talk about? You have the floor where you have to listen to the other person, repeat back what they're saying, make sure they're understood before you say your piece. Communication is really a big piece of conflict resolution. But if everything's always just hunky-dory, you're right. I remember when I was young and my parents didn't argue very much, but I'd almost want to like eavesdrop because I really wanted to like I guess looking back now, see how they conflict resolve. I think I was curious. I think kids are curious about that. What was that one time you and I were having just like a discussion? Like uh, he had a discussion and Logan came in and he's... Yeah, we're like, hey, give us a little time. He's, I don't know. I just want to see where this goes. Yeah. <laughs> he's just stood there. <laughs> yeah, I think kids are naturally curious to learn how to conflict resolve. Is that a thing? Conflict Resolve conflicts. Um, and obviously we're the main... We're the main couple that they will learn that from. Here's the pitfall you want to avoid. Things are going to get heated and 
boil over when you least expect it, which is often like a public display of frustration. And then later in the day, you'll feel a little bit embarrassed by that and you will privately apologize for that to the person. And if that's just between husband and wife, then the kids will never actually see the apology part, but always see the explosive part. That's true. It has to come full circle. You have to show both ends of the spectrum. Got to be lecture humble, resolve conflicts, talk things through. Even if you talk it through privately the next day, say, hey, like I, I said these things and I was a little heated about it. I wish I reeled it back and saved it to the family meeting. And here's what mo- your mom and I talked about last night. And here's what we resolved. It was important to come up with that. Yes, I, I think that's so important what you said. To humble yourself in that way where it's not just we're the adults, you're the kids, and I don't have to share this with you. They don't have to be a piece of the solving of the problem necessarily, but to share with them our like the way we got through it or what happened afterwards is so important because otherwise they're missing massive pieces of the puzzle. I would encourage you to question common sayings around conflict resolution too. There's, it feels like at every wedding, someone will say, the number one thing about marriage is to never go to bed angry. <laughs> like, so, you, so you want me angry and tired? <laughs> that sure. doesn't work. It's just a clever saying. Like, all right, why don't you go to bed? You, you should role model. Like, hey, I got to sleep on this. Like, I'm too heated to revisit this tomorrow. That is better conflict resolution than just saying, all right, we're going to sit in this room and try to hammer it out. Now everyone's tired, burn out, and whatever gets hammered out isn't even a solution that anyone wants. People just want to get out of the room. Right, but there has to be an understanding that we are walking away for the moment with the intention of cooling off and coming back to it. Not like a, I'm going to give you the cold shoulder and not talk to you as a passive-aggressive response. Those are very different things. And one other area to give you some perspective on conflict resolution, Mel's talked about this on a lot of previous podcast episodes, conflict resolution between the children where she's the facilitator and will often ask this question, what was your part in this conflict? So they're not owning the full thing because kids aren't usually mature for it. But one of our family core values is being accountable and they probably did something if they ended up on top of each other or jumping on the couch or whatever it was. And then once they have some shared responsibility, then it's easier versus like a, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. It escalates back and forth. So teaching them de-escalation techniques is part of conflict resolution. Yeah, because the natural response is to blame someone else. So the more they see us as parents accepting responsibility and accountability, then they will also do the same. Next area you're already role modeling for them, but you absolutely need to do it intentionally is time management. Are you late everywhere? Are you one of those people with those funny bumper stickers about how late you are? Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> I, had I hate cousin, that. I had a cousin who was late to school every single day. And I kept thinking to myself, why can't you just set your alarm clock 15 minutes sooner? There's something about it that just drove me crazy. But yes, time management is very important. In the morning, especially for us, they have to be up by a certain time. I wake them up at 6.30. I get up an hour before that so I can get a little time to myself and get things ready. But we have a time schedule in the morning or we won't get out the door. Even still, the last 10 minutes are always intense with getting socks and shoes on. But they know, and I try to, I think a, a good strategy for time management is if you have something coming up in an hour, kids don't understand, hey, you've got five minutes, like you need to give them cues. Our youngest 
if he'll say, when's dinner ready? And I'll be like, oh, about 10 minutes. He'll run. He'll set the, a timer. He'll set a timer. You better have that ready in 10 minutes because he'll know. <laughs> but I love that he's learning what that means. What is yes. 10 minutes? Henry wants to play with soccer with him before bed. And I'm like, Everett, just do it for five minutes. Sets a timer. Like he's learning what that means and not just hoping for the best. <laughs> to stay on the role modeling topic, I do remember some time management from my dad who was didn't, I don't want to say never late, but he never wanted to be late. And he always set the timer in his vehicle two minutes fast so that when he would look at it, he'd be like, all right, I got to get there by this time. So he always gave himself a little cushion. And my truck timer is, is two minutes fast. I Mine picked that true. up for role modeling. I'm not going to risk it. I think people have accepted the disrespect of showing up late to things. And I do use that word intentionally. Our second one on our list was the area of role modeling is respectfulness. You are showing the other people who are waiting for you that you think your time is more valuable than theirs because you're making them wait. And so I don't believe in, in being that, that late. Now for time management, there's certainly other ways and other areas to, to put it together. One is routines. What do they do in the morning? What do they do in the evening? Mel mentioned the morning time management, you have these tasks to do. They have a certain number of computer times they're allowed, like three 15-minute blocks. They manage their own times and they mark them down. They can use them when they want, when they're out. They have their reading to do. They have to manage that. I like to teach them time batching. So <clears throat> I'll work on a project and I will allot a certain amount of time for it and I'll only focus on that project and try to eliminate all external distractions. That's going to be very powerful role modeling for them in a very distracted world. We're like, all right, we're going to put 30 minutes on, we're going to put our head down and we're going to work on this project for this amount of time. And then we'll take a break and then we'll come back to it. And so you're teaching them how to be successful through time management. That was, I think that was the thing that I learned from Vince actually, where if you're going to work on a project, you have to take the 30 minutes, turn <laughs> off your phone, turn off whatever notifications you're going to get. Because we all know as soon as your phone dings, even if you don't check it, you're already thinking about it. And if you do check it, then, oh, look at this notification. So I think that's almost doesn't even need to be said. I think everyone recognizes that, but you, it really does make a difference if your kids can learn how to put their head down and work without distraction for X amount of time. So time batching helps. Your opinion on being timely or not helps because you'll be role modeling for that and teaching them how to prioritize and execute the tasks that they want to get done with the computer time. As an example, before football season, Logan had to climb up the mountain three times per week to get ready for the season. That was his commitment he made. And I would ask him, what days are you going to do that? What time on those days? Okay, and that is a verbal commitment to do it during those times. And if he waited, yeah, he'd have to go up and down two or three times in a row. Okay, is what it is. You wasted time. You don't get out of activities. <clears throat> you just let it sneak up and pile up on you. And I think a lot of these aspects we're talking about lend to what is your family identity. So we went to a wedding recently and the bride's family tends to be a family who's always late. And that's almost become their identity. And do you want your kids to have that as their identity when they grow up? Because it's sometimes I think it can be like funny, but then it like they had to tell them like half an hour early, like when things would be just because they knew they'd be late, which is funny, but I don't want my kids to be the kind of people who are late. Yeah, role model that. Next up, I'm gonna start picking up the speed because we're on number eight and I don't want to go this to go to part three. <laughs> All right, here we go. You are role modeling love and affection. Oh, I like this one. That's all I got to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Mel. Even when we do our family meetings, like we do from handshakes, but I still give hugs. And even at bedtime, I think 
Everett will go give hugs and kisses to his older brothers. And then one time, like my middle son was like, you don't really hug us when you leave the room anymore. It was almost like I did it with Everett, but not the other two, but they still had that need. So I'm glad he spoke up and said something. So of course I like double it now. Or my best example is whenever they enter the room in the morning, I give them a hug immediately. Mm-hmm. And they have grown to expect it. So if I don't do it, which I missed one time, they will let me know that I missed it. But it's just that simple little way to show hugs. And I feel like over time, they even hug me back more strongly. Like they need that connection. When they're little, obviously you hold babies and kiss them much more than you would like a 13-year-old. But they still need physical touch. They still need to know that they're loved in that way. And even when I tell Logan I love him for a while, he'd be like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Got a role model it. <laughs> And, yeah, lo- love and so. affections on there between us too is important even if very you think important it's yucky. yeah we hug hold hands they give the eye rolls as kids do <laughs> but it doesn't prevent us yeah, from showing love and affection i'm not an outward loving lovely i don't throw the word outwardly showing love outside no. the household i think love is an important word and i don't throw it around oh i oh. love this color oh i love this leaf oh i love this milkshake I think it devalues it, in my opinion. And so I don't throw around often. And so I have my style, but I'm not afraid of showing it in front of the children because it's important for role modeling as I do love the people in our household. And I use the word, the, the owning word, I, instead of just saying, love you, that is devaluing the phrase because we just get so used to saying and hearing it that I love you is much more powerful than love you. Mm-hmm. I am tricked with it but also giving with it in the household because that is how I feel about it. I like that you're so principled in that way. Number I, nine. I love that about you. <laughs> <laughs> that around, I love uh, <laughs> random sayings. I, I love notebook. I love lamp. Was that uh, Anchorman? <laughs> All right. Number nine, role modeling for your kids, civic or community responsibility. What is that, a dusted off word from the 60s? No, I used to teach participation in government to high school students. And Mel does a lot of community engagement into schools. She goes down to the student, uh, the PAC. Oh, no, it's, so it's the School Accountability Committee for the middle That's school. And I'm actually about to join the District Accountability Committee for the whole district. So it's parents and so the middle school one is the principal and whatever parents want to come and there's a whopping three parents that come, but we truly get to hear what's going on in the middle school. We have a voice in the matter and I think it's exciting if we show our kids that there are opportunities that you can say yes to. I don't say yes to everything. I pick the ones that I think are most valuable. I remember the old PTA meetings used to be full when we were younger. Now it's three for the district. Now I don't mind that because we show up and that means we're going to sway everything that happens. We have a voting block. Both of us could show up and now we have uh, (laughs) two-fifths of the vote to to persuade how a district educates children. It is scary. But the bright side is you have more power if you do it now because less people are doing it. Less people are being civically responsible and engaged in the community because they're role modeling Posting crap online and thinking that's them being civically engaged. No, physically being there. And, and I'll give an example. So our time is, everybody's time is valuable. We have to choose how we're going to use it. So I have chosen that once a week for three hours, I go down to the school and I help teach, I help with math rotations in sixth grade. And then I go into my kid's kindergarten classroom for an hour to help. And 
that for me is a better use of my time than joining like the parent committee where they organize some activities for the kids. I'm not devaluing it at all. I'm just trying to choose where I'm going to use my time. So I also do the other accountability committees, but to find some way to involve yourself. And then my kids see that I'm there because some of their kids will come over to me and they're like, Oh, Henry's mom's here. And I'm like, you know what? I'm grateful that my kids. That's because I love my family. Where's your mom? (laughs) (laughs) I recognize that my schedule allows for me to do this. That was a much nicer way of saying that. However, my kids want me to be there. Even my middle schooler. He's yeah. If you could find a way to help down here, I wouldn't mind. So I think my role modeling of showing value in the classroom, because I am a nerd, I like math, and I love that I can give back and get to know the kids that my kid is hanging out with. I love that my kids are seeing that I do that. So school is one way. Volunteering in your community is another way the kids do creek cleanup and things like that. Uh, I volunteered and got certified for a community responder to help if there's a, uh, my civic responsibilities. I am physically able and have the skill set to help neighbors if there is thing like a wildfire out here in Colorado or stuff like that. So I went through the classes and became certified so I can be more of an asset to the community. And so there's a lot of different ways to do it other than just go vote, which is a good way as well. Uh, But don't, please don't role model you interacting in civics and politics and community by you just going on a forum on a Facebook group and posting some smack about some crap. You cannot possibly do any less. And that's the downside of the internet. While we all get engaged and there can be some good ideas out of it. Someone posting in a group like, seriously, stop this to some of the world conflicts. Like, okay, great. (laughs) Uh, Why don't you go and get some more skills and contribute on your community level? But they've gotten the dopamine release, the feel goods of saying, hey, I went and said something online you didn't go anywhere to say something you barely you'd probably even put your pants on you probably did it from the <laughs> toilet lifted up your phone typed something and thought that was your civic duty don't do that and to please don't re- re- role model that for your kids we'll be all in a huge cluster f if we all found ways to ro- to role model and participate in our actual local community life would be much better number 10 on how you're role modeling safety you see belt person my dad never was I am. Are you, I know we always, we joke that we want our families to have adventure and fun, but we do role model some safety. Like we're not going to teach our kids to go out on a mountain with no water. And like, you just don't tough through certain things. There's some intelligence that goes behind it. And I probably role model too much on the other side of like, I'm just going to go do this mountain with three, three almonds and one sneaker. And it is what it is. But I intentionally have to back off that when they're around and say, all right, you know, because we have some family groups with us that are doing the incline today, I'm going to carry my bag and carry these extra waters in a small med kit. And so I'm role modeling some safe. Now, it is also the perception of safety that I would prefer parents role model that the kids are in charge of their own safety. And it's not the parent's responsibility, nor should they often say, oh, be careful. That's not role modeling safety. That's undermining their confidence. And so that's why I want to put this one on the list. If you're constantly overprotecting and bubble wrapping them, you're making them less resilient and less confidence. So by safety and your perception of safety, not to always be safe in all instances. I think sometimes the language you use asking your kid, hey, how about you consider this? So if my son's going to ride his bike from here for two miles to his friend's house, we don't always ask them to wear their helmets like in the driveway. But if he's going to be driving on the road, hey, I want you to consider wearing a helmet and here's why. So we're communicating and helping them think uh, critically through a decision that's about safety. Our middle son wants to ride his bike off Pikes Peak. 
Off of it? Down it mean? <laughs> you mean? I mean? You go off of it. <laughs> you go down it. <laughs> oh, it's a little rocky. And I, I didn't say, oh, no, you can't do that. That's unsafe. I said, I don't know. You want to wear some elbow pads? <laughs> and, and I just said nothing. Them. I just said nothing because I started to freak out inside. <laughs> and so your perception of safety of when to be safe, what they can be safe about, their confidence around certain activities, their skills that you can help them develop where they can become more safe based on what they know and not just like all this gear they have to have. That all matters. Number 11, area to role model for your kids is how to learn something. I think it's powerful for kids to see parents struggle outside their comfort zone and outside their knowledge to learn something new. And every time you do that, you're role modeling for them. And every time you avoid doing something, oh, no, I don't do that. You're showing them that you are closed down to learning that thing. And while it might be an activity you just don't enjoy, maybe that's, yeah, I just don't like doing that. Not, oh, I don't know how to do that. That's not something I do that. That makes me nervous. That's teaching them to shell up. So te teaching them how to learn. For example, one style of learning is, hey, if you want to know some, something, ask someone, read something, and then bring it to us and we can support you if you need more help. Our kids have learned tremendous things out of our library resources, off of YouTube, off of family members, off of friends. And they've learned to not be shy and asking like, oh, I really want to know this. Let's go learn how to rock climb. I'm like, I don't know how to rock climb. Let's go figure that out together. Our oldest is like giddy right now with how many resources he has pouring into him. He's so giddy. He wants he's to like, weld and build. And he's got all the resources. He's starting to do a lot of it. He's becoming a more skilled person. And a lot of that is through the role modeling of us learning skills, whether it's cooking skills or you doing that emergency response training or whatever the case may be, get them excited about learning skills. Mel needs to be out the door in under four minutes, I believe. So the next one, we're number 12 on the list where you need to role model for your kids is personal nutrition. I knew this was going to be on Well, We talked fitness on part one. Personal nutrition has the same, the same connotation I want to add to it, which is this. You need to teach them how they think about food, not just what the food is. I said that earlier with you need to teach them how to think about exercise as a benefit to their life and not like a punishment. You know, say, oh, I've got to do this hard thing. Oh, I got to eat this vegetable. This is going to be terrible. That is role model. You might do it, but you're also teaching your child that it was awful to do. And that is powerful message that you're sending him or her. Yeah, attitude about food is important. And in, in our household, we've talked about this in the podcast. There's no need to rehash it all, but we make a lot of our own stuff now. And even though the kids don't necessarily eat all of it, they see us doing it. They get excited about making things, especially our 13-year-old loves to look up recipes. They all have some level of confidence in making because we've given them that space to become skilled in that way, but also we've role modeled constant at-home cooking. The next one, we'll get to the last one. I could talk on a person nutrition for a long time, but I already have on I'm previous episodes, <laughs> including three weeks ago, we talked about healthy eating habits. There's two, two episodes up for it, actually. The last one I have on our list of 13 areas you absolutely need to role model, and you are role modeling, whether you want to or not, mindset slash personal philosophy. What do you view about the world? At strongfamilyproject.com, we give you the steps of the Strong Family Path for free, which includes step one, develop your core values. That gives you a filter in which how to view the world. Now, you're role modeling those values on whether you actually believe and live by them or you constantly flex them based on what you just want in the moment. And you're teaching them how to view 
life, your personal philosophy? Do you view challenges as things that are going to cripple you? And you have such hard days that you just want to shell up and not go out anymore. And the kids always see that. Oh, I got so much like, this is happening to me. This is happening to me. This happened to me at work. This is happening to me in the gym. This is happening to me in the kitchen. Are you letting that get on top of you? Or are you teaching like these things are happening for me? What's your view of challenges? Are challenges opportunities that you have the skill set and confidence and resiliency and grit to overcome? Or are they things that will constantly squish you and you complain about at the dinner table and your kids are expecting a world that will crush them as soon as they leave the house as you have role modeled for them each dinner? You hit the nail on the head with the core values. And I think this is a good time of year even to assess what your values are, where they come from. Are you just following values because it's what you grew up with? Or are you intentionally choosing these things? I think that's a really important question. And it does take some energy and some effort. But since having our core values, it completely changed the trajectory of our life. We wouldn't even be where we are right now if it wasn't for that. Let us know in the comments, especially if you're watching on YouTube or reply to one of our strong family emails what areas would you like to have cds add to this list we did it very quick there's probably going to be a part three sometime down the road but that is the complete list for now i'd love to hear what areas you think are essential to role model for your kids in and you are role modeling in these areas again whether you like it or not it's the same thing with core values your kids are going to pick up habits they're going to pick up values are they going to be from you or are they going to be from the outside world, or they're going to be from friends or, or a teacher or a neighbor or something like that. So decide now. Mel, any last thoughts? No, I just don't want to be late to pick up ever because that's Subscribe at <laughs> strongfamilyproject.com. You're missing out on a lot of free resources if you haven't been over there yet. And the book will be out on Black Friday. Talk to you soon.